Global Bitcoin Fest. Celebrate Bitcoin adoption with Bitcoin communities worldwide. Okay, welcome to Global Bitcoin Fest Ghana. Super excited to have the Ghana Bitcoin community here and with Ghana Bitcoin community we're going to uh, we're going to feature what's happening in Ghana today. They there was a conference recently in Ghana. It was the talk of the Bitcoin community in the world. Super exciting what's going on in all of Africa. But seems like Ghana has has something special going on right now. So Global Bitcoin Fest, we're a crew of plebs. We started by doing a 24-hour Twitter space when El Salvador went live with their Bitcoin law on the 7th of September in uh, 2021. And uh, it really started before that. We were giving away free sats all over Latin America in Spanish and uh, trying out lightning and how to orange pill with lightning. And one day, one guy that was uh, a little bit crazy suggested that we should do a twenty this 24-hour Twitter space. And um, within one day, we were all at it and trying to organize this thing. We only had six days and we did 24 separate spaces with uh, about 18 countries, 18 Bitcoin communities represented. And it was an amazing experience. So we decided, hey, let's do this every week if we can and feature one community every week and hear what's happening uh, in their country. And yeah, we've been doing this for more than one year now. And We've covered almost 50 countries, and uh, today it's Ghana. Super exciting to have you guys here. Very, very excited. So without any further delay, we need to start this with a song. This is Ghana Freedom by E.T. Mensa. Uh, a song made by E.T. Mensa for the celebration of independence of Ghana, March 6, 1957. Ghana was the first African country to achieve freedom from the British colonial rule. This is by Edward, and uh, this is the song. <laughs> Ghana, we now have freedom. Ghana, land of freedom. Toys of the brave and the sweat of the labor. Toys of the brave, we have brought freedom. That was it. Edward, do you have anything to add to that song? Yeah, I mean, um, Bitcoin stands for freedom. So, yeah, so if Ghana has freedom, it means that we have Bitcoin, basically. Freedom all the way. Thank you, DJ Edward. And uh, we're going to start with the presentations. Me, I'm Lucas. I'm uh, one of the Global Bitcoin Fest crew. I became a Bitcoiner back in early 2021, actually, after a very long shitcoin journey. I... It took me a long time to realize what Bitcoin is all about. 
Uh, I'm a tech entrepreneur that started my company in 2010. And um, I uh, discovered Bitcoin back in 2013. But unfortunately, I bought Litecoin and I bought uh, a, a shitcoin that's called Feathercoin. It hardly exists anymore because it was the cheapest, cheapest thing you could get. And um, only four years after that, I looked into Bitcoin again in 2017. I got kicked out of my company. I had some time on my hands. I was traveling in Asia and uh, I uh, got really confused by the block size wars and uh, Roger Ver and all these guys. And I went all in on shitcoins and I lost 98% of everything in uh, the following two years, following three years. And then I sold my company in 2020 and I had to think of how to save responsibly. And uh, I came back to Bitcoin last of everything. I really didn't want to touch anything. Uh, but Bitcoin uh, was the only thing that looked reasonable at that time. And then I started hanging Twitter spaces and I talked to um, a lot of amazing Bitcoiners that explained to me why Bitcoin only. And that's how it became a Bitcoin maxi. And um, I'm still thinking of what else I could do with Bitcoin. But meanwhile, uh, doing this uh, podcast and starting my next tech company. And um, that's a service to, sign doc uh, to, to send email, basically simpler. And I'm going to build in as much Bitcoin features into it as possible so that people, when they uh, send their email, see Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. That's me. Call me. <laughs> well... Look, it feels good to hear from you and then what you're looking at building with your email. <laughs> you got me smiling with the way you say you see your emails with Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin there. That's so nice. Okay. Thank you, everyone, for joining these spaces. Um, I'm also Kumi in Kansa. Uh, I'm a Ghanaian, born and bred in Ghana, but uh, I have a lot of experience moving around Africa, especially West African countries. Uh, I'm a tech enthusiast, I'm a, I'm a broadcast journalist and a digital marketer by profession. Uh, I got to know Bitcoin somewhere in 2017 and good story for me. I didn't fall in love with a uh, shitcoin before getting to know Bitcoin. Uh, I went straight to reading about it. And now fast forward, I'm looking at helping with Bitcoin adoption in Ghana because I feel um, there's a lot of, of opportunities within the space for Ghanaians to benefit from. So I, I'm on it. That's basically what I'm doing, helping with adoption and then coming out with certain products and services I feel will be beneficial to Ghanaians and Africans to help scale up our freedom, just like ETMS as some were saying. Kumi, could you just add a little bit about what, what you're doing on the ground right now? Because it's quite interesting. Okay, so currently um, the first stage is educating people about Bitcoin, getting them to know what Bitcoin is. Now, after that, I've gotten to know, okay, we just don't need education. We need solutions and services that people will need to leverage on to be able to use Bitcoin. So um, we have a couple of projects coming up. I'm working with Bitcoin Ikasi and then Bitcoin Beach to help build a Bitcoin circular economy here. We have two locations we are already working with. And then there's another project we are working on to help smallholder farmers. That's called my Sats Farm uh, on the Lightning Network. And um, another project aimed at helping digital creators within the Ghana space, because there are a lot of digital creators around. 
and they, they're a bit locked up as to how they can benefit from their craft and what they are doing. So there's another project we call that my uh, my my Bitcoin store. So these are just the, the basic about it. So when we get into details, I'll scale down and then give details on each of the projects I'm working on. Yes, super exciting. And thanks for bringing everybody together, Kumi. Super awesome. So Edward, please uh, present yourself. Thank you, Lucas, uh, for having me on the show. Uh, it feels amazing to be here, basically. Um, so my name is Edward um, um, Amewu, um, Ghanaian, um, born and bred um, here. I'm currently the CTO and co-founder of um, Bitnob. Um, so I learned about Bitcoin um, in 2017, you know, after... Um, Basically, Bernard has like kind of introduced me to it. Um, uh, it wasn't as accidental like most people, um, so I didn't like kind of give it much thought as of then. Um, so you know, we just building like a couple of projects that were not like Bitcoin related at the time. So basically, what was happening was um, just building stuff for um, other um, clients and stuff. Um, so what happened at the time was that we got a project to, you know, work on um, a crypto portfolio manager, which was essentially to, you know, basically accumulate um, cryptos. Uh, it was not really Bitcoin centered. Um, it was basically all the coins and, you know, it made a millions of um, dollars at the time. So when I was like already like deep into flipping Bitcoin at the time, like heavily, so it was like, um, Eddie, why don't we build an app that, you know, users could easily buy Bitcoin using vouchers, right? So um, that's what, like, kind of ended up doing because I was like, yeah, let's get everything that he says, let's do it, let's do it, right? And that was, like, became, like, kind of the first iteration um, of Bit, Bitcoin, basically, on the web. Um, so that's when my actual interest peaked um, into Bitcoin and then kind of wanted to learn more about the protocol, basically. Um, you know, reading a number of, like, articles, some books, like, mastering Bitcoin. You know, I got fascinated about Bitcoin, um, actually, and what it stands for. Um, freedom, you know, security, and, you know, you know. So as a computer science, you know, student, I just knew that um, this could be, like, you know, the game changer for a ton of people in the future, right? So I kind of tagged along with Bernard, you know, and a few years later, started, you know, some startups that failed, but then Bitcoin was like, you know, the, the game changer, basically. So what we kind of did was that we kind of had to leave our jobs, you know, how the story goes, you know, how to focus on Bitcoin and, and focus on Bitnob, you know, um, and then, you know, ended up doing Bitnob, you know, full-time, basically. And since then, we've just been building on Bitnob, building on Bitcoin, building and then seeing what the capabilities of Bitcoin is, right? And seeing how far we can stretch Bitcoin, basically. Yeah, so that's 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 been my journey from 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 for me. Yeah, that's how my journey has been. Yeah. Thank you so much, Edward, and thanks for bringing some friends as well. And a little known secret, we have to say it now, and we'll t we'll talk more about it later. But Bitno was actually founded in Ghana. Yes, Edward told me the story before, right, Edward? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Actually, that's actually correct. 
Awesome. I look forward to hearing more about that. Hey, Combian. Uh, Hello. <laughs> yes, um, I'm Gideon Combian. Um, yeah, so um, I said my first time hearing about Bitcoin was um, 2011. Um, I had a friend of mine, um, Courage. Um, unfortunately, he's late right now, but uh, back in college, I think um, 10 years down the line, every now and then, because um, I'm a software engineer by profession, then I was like, I, need, I actually have to take my time and get to know this Bitcoin properly. So I think somewhere in 20, um, 2016, that's when I actually um, gained interest in Bitcoin properly. So um, so I go online, try to um, read what I can about Bitcoin. Then um, at the same time, I, I, I got a project to work on. And, um, and my current uh, Bit, BitNob CEO, Bernard, was also on the same project with me. So it was true that I got to know that oh, he was well-versed in Bitcoin at that time. So he took me through it and um, I got out of audiobooks and all that to understand Bitcoin. So yeah, so to, from 2017 there, you know, um, I actually made it a point to when anytime I get paid, I just set aside a little of my salary to buy Bitcoin each month. So that was what I was doing for about six to eight months. And, you know, it's kind of died down again for me. But I still had interest in Bitcoin, but not that much again. Then, then in 2019, then I, I, my interest peaked again and I started, you know, buying bits and bits of Bitcoin. Then in um, then in 2020, um, Bernard came up again. I was like, you know, he's doing this Bitcoin um an app where people can buy and sell bit can buy actually buy bitcoin and all that so they pitched the idea to me and it sounded cool so then from there i've actually moved on to um, working with the block bitcoin um, node itself then it was pretty much interesting so i've never looked back since so um, that's been my story yeah hey super interesting and are you working with bitnob or somebody else now or independent yeah i'm with bitnob now Awesome. Okay, cool. We got some hardcore engineers here in the speaker panel. Ezra, what's up? Hello. Good evening, everyone. Uh, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Um, yeah, a bit about myself. Um, let's see, I, I, I started coming to Ghana in 2009, um, visiting my father. Um, eventually, in uh, 2013, I, I took the leap and... Uh, uh, moved to Ghana, um, had several businesses, um, some startups, um, but currently I'm um, at One Corner Garden in Coco Memle. We do, uh, we're a restaurant, beer garden, cultural hub, and a guest house. And we also work uh, doing farming as well, uh, farm to table. Um, so, but uh, yeah, I got into Bitcoin. Well, I knew about Bitcoin, I guess, um, early on. Um, we had the, at that time I was in the United States and we had, you know, we had some financial issues, we could say. Um, and then around 2000, I guess, 10 ish around then, um, with, uh, coming across Bitcoin, um, for me, I thought it was like, um, you know, it was something that was finally going to be able to level the playing fields. Um, and yeah, and so I was in the, you know, kind of got in interested in the space uh also took a journey out into the crypto world um and in the last few years of course that had brought me back um so it's important yeah for me the philosophy the essence but um yeah so now i'm here i'm here in ghana i'm doing the restaurant um guest house farming 
Um, we were one of the first to start accepting Bitcoin, you know, um, that I'm aware of here in Ghana as a business. And I thought that, you know, having a business, having, um, you know, this um, was a way of, of, you know, me being able to uh, participate. So accepting Bitcoin, also holding meetups. Um, and so we do, you know, try to hold monthly meetups as well and educating people, setting up a good foundation for people, um, you know, is quite important. So we do what we can with the space that we have um, and contribute. Um, yeah, I enjoy. I've been here now, yeah, since 2013. I've been in Ghana, only left one time to go to my best friend's wedding. Um, that was about five years ago. Um, I also work in, in Togo as well, doing farming in Togo, a farmers cooperative. Um, so we're doing uh, organic, non organic non-GMO soybeans and sesame seeds. Yeah, so it's, it's great to be here and looking forward to this evening. Yes, thank you very much, Ezra. We have one more person and uh, it's an expat. It's Ghana living far, far overseas, Mr. G from the Harlem Bitcoin community, super awesome Globe Bitcoin Fester as well. He's here to ask some questions, but hey, I think you should share some some about yourself as well. How you guys doing? Good evening. Uh, it's afternoon over here. Uh, I'm glad to just finally connect with some people in the space, especially from Ghana. I'm very, very excited and I know I'm going to learn a whole lot. And it's just nice to meet everybody. This is actually our first formal introduction to each other. It's just been so busy. Everybody's just been moving back and forth. But I hope like everybody's got some time to, to chat. So my introduction into Bitcoin basically came via a book. I got handed a book. <laughs> and uh, the book described the white paper in it. And this was like around 2016. But I never, I never acted on Bitcoin up until the tail end of 2017. And that's pretty much... Initially, me, I didn't interact with anybody in the Bitcoin space. I didn't go to any meetups or anything like that. Maybe I would speak to people, friends uh, that I had and ask them, hey, would you, what do you think about Bitcoin? Uh, you know, everyone had their opinion about it, but no one was educated. So I found out just, just being uh, more or less just not taking as much interest in communicating with other people about Bitcoin because it looked into the visible world around me that Bitcoin was more or less a joke. I turned on CNBC. It was a scam. This one was being arrested and anything like that. And I was like, oh, man, this is this is not good. But I, like, what happened to Satoshi and what happened to like uh, unbanking? I mean, banking the unbanked and burning the banks and that sort of thing. What happened to that ethos necessarily? I had to look out for people within the community. So I didn't start interacting with people within Bitcoin up until Bitcoin Twitter. It at least went until Jack Dorsey uh, kind of endorsed the hashtag Bitcoin. So then I came back in more or less it kind of differentiated who was in bitcoin for what subject to see who's really you know in bitcoin for the right purposes and stuff like that because bitcoin is it's a self-interest protocol you don't necessarily have to be a bleeding heart you don't have to be someone that helps you can just you know hold and that's that's well enough but i look at bitcoin differently because to be honest bitcoin has helped me reconnect with family and me being here in the west as an expat living here for so much time it's i feel a bit of a disconnect, but every time I talk to my cousins, it's just, it comes right back. And I'm planning a visit back soon. I can't wait to go back. I would really like to just discuss more ideas as far as, far as agriculture and how Bitcoin could be implemented in a, in a more tangible way. I'm very, very excited to hear what Ezra was 
doing and I, I have some family members in here that that are paying attention i'm not gonna say who they are if they want to come up to q a they can come up but yeah i'm just excited to be here and um I'm a local guy. I'm affiliated with the Harlem Bitcoin community here in New York. What we do is we try to orange pill local businesses the the nice way. Um, we just basically give people options on alternate forms of payment. Instead of using Venmo, you can use a, a wallet of Satoshi. You can set up a moon wallet at your point of sale, things like that. And it's been a slow progress and it's been some good news, but not as much as we were looking for. So we haven't managed to convert any stores or in any large corporations or anything like that. So, but we managed to, every time we have a meetup, we always have some new people that are interested and people keep coming back. So I guess that's where we come in. So we we're just a local uh, community organization, but I'm actually very, very glad to be with them and to connect with the uh, Ghanaian community as well. So, yeah. Mr. G, thank you so much super exciting what you're doing over there and uh yeah i hope you get to know these guys probably during this space i want to give a shout out to my friend jeremy showalter uh he is uh listening right now he may fall asleep because he's uh, uh flown over to ghana from the us he's part of uh the swan team um uh, he's product director at Swan. He would love to connect to all of you guys. So um, just saying it now that he's there for a week. I'm going to add him to the chat so that he can connect with you guys properly. And he's super excited to talk to you. And um, with that, it's time to move into Bitcoin and Ghana. And we're going to start with some Ghana history. But before we do that, we have another song to play, Oma no Adwo by Nana Kwame Amparu. Oma no Adwo is a Twi language song and is sung by Nana Kwame Amparu. And it is from the album Evergreen Tunes, released in the year 1970. Some old goodie. <laughs> I can feel my ass shaking and despite being on a chair, it's moving. And with that, we are going to talk about Ghana history. Hey, Kumi. Hey, Edward. I uh, ask you, who should start uh, and uh, give us a rundown of uh, Ghana history? And please start as early as you want. There's some really exciting history of Ghana, I know. So uh, you can start in a long, long time ago, thousands of years or wherever you want. Yeah, so um, I think I can start. Ghana, Ghana was Ghana is a country uh, 
from the West Africa, you know, situated like in the coasts of the Gulf of Guinea. Ghana actually um, back then was known as the Gold Coast. Um, um, basically, the people like kind of lived um, a prosperous and a rich kind of proud life. Um, we had like rich culture that was centered mostly around trade because um, there was good everywhere, basically, um, and commerce, basically. Um, they also you know, had an immense love for good, which was basically abundance here. The people, you know, traded with other regions like the Gans and then the Aquemus and um you know other european countries that um settled along the good coast uh, at the time you know exchanging like valuable commodities like um ivory textiles um colonels, you know mirrors you know they were using like a system um called you know butter trading so basically butter trading was like um you exchanging, you know, goods for goods. Um, so there was no actual money at the time. Um, so let's say if you go to your farm and then you have like some okra, you can just take a few and then go to the market and say that, hey, you know, um, I have some okra. If you have some, you know, herrings, I, I could use some. Just take my okra and then give me some herrings so I can go and use for my soup. So that was that was what was going on back in the day. So there was nothing like money um however when the europeans came they kind of um, introduced some kind of um cash economy um so what then happened was that the butter trade became like less prominent though um other areas um in the rural parts of the country were still using the um previous um, form of trade as the butter trade um so let's say in the 19th century, thereabout, um, the British kind of took over the country, bringing a new kind of system of governance. They introduced like stable currency, that's the pound sterling. They also introduced schools and then, you know, some kind of modern administration and then creating, you know, educated and skilled um, workforce. One of the key industries that actually transformed Ghana's economy was actually um, the cocoa. So Ghana is one of the leading producers of cocoa. It was not only just cocoa that we were exporting because uh, we are exporting timber, we are exporting gold, we had a lot of natural resources, we even had like bauxite and all the rest, right? So yeah, um, we had a variety of um, things that we were actually exporting. So yeah, I think um, Ghana had like a rich cultural heritage. Uh, we have some kind of monetary change along the line, some kind of um, economic development, and then some dynamic governments that's moving from the European um, country to the um, British country. But then the transformation like kind of uh, resulted in a major center of you know trade and commerce. Yeah, so I think Ghana has always kind of been a land of opportunity and prosperity because we've seen like other people from um, other countries come here to kind of come and um, work and then as well to take back to their families in, in 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 their countries that's my brief history about ghana kumi can take it from here talking about you know the carries and stuff yeah thank you kumi hey 
Sure. Edward did a wonderful job to, to add to what Edward said. Ghana is actually the world's seventh largest producer of cocoa. And Ghana is in one of the top five countries in the world currently getting gold. If you look at uh, the satellite map from NASA over the gold deposits in Ghana, you would get to understand why Ghana used to be called the Gold Coast. Ghana, yeah, we call Ghana, Ghana, but do you know the meaning of Ghana? Ghana simply means the warrior king. Ghana was named after the Ghana Empire. If if you know what the Ghana Empire, prior to we being named as the Ghana Empire, Ghana Empire used to be existing way back several hundreds of years ago. So with the name and how superior the empire was, we picked up the name Ghana. Ghana has one of the largest man-made lakes in the world. And this man-made lake is the source of Ghana's electricity. It was created right after independence uh, by Dr. Kwame Nkrumah with money from the British and then the Russian government as at then. And it is this dam that is powering the whole nation and the neighboring nations around us like Burkina Faso. And at some point, we were even exporting uh, electricity to Nigeria and our neighboring countries. One of the things that I've heard Mm -hmm. from people that have been doing business in Ghana, Ghana had a kingdom called the Ashanti Kingdom. I wonder, is, is that a big part of the history of Ghana or is that just a small part? Okay, it's a big part of the history of Ghana because the kingdom is still existing. The kingdom, the Ashanti kingdom actually played a major role in the history of Ghana because um, they were into the slave trade and then they were into the diamond trade. The Ashanti kingdom also holds the golden stool. I don't know if you have a story about the golden stool. There was um, one Sutsaya, who happened to be in the Ashanti kingdom, he called the Deba for the local people. So all of the Ashanti kingdom, they gathered, and then he conjured a golden stool from the sky. According to history, the stool came from the sky. It was in pure gold. At some point, the British has to, had to come and take it away. The Ashanti fought back, and then they brought the golden stool back. So the Ashanti kingdoms, uh, history is 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 very deep in Ghana. is is very strong um, with their influence in trade and their connection with the early settlers, the Portuguese and then the British. They they played a major role in our trading, and the kingdom is still existing. The Ashanti King is there. No, that's really interesting. Maybe we can talk about uh, what the Ashanti Kingdom is today when we talk about today. One uh, follow-up question as well. You mentioned these um, seashells, right? Yeah, the cowrie shells. Okay, so before even the slave masters came in, our people had a way of trading among each other. And then the kind of trade they were doing was more of a butter trade. So like... um, Edward said earlier on, if I have rice and then you have beans, you can give me the rice, then I'll give you beans. But it got to a time whereby people had certain commodities others did not have. So they started using salt in exchanges. Now the curry came inside. There were other attempts to use um, a represent something in a physical form as a means of trading or as a, something with value so they could trade among themselves. 
So they realized salt, salt was the first attempt and salt was easy to get. However, the curries was very, very, very hard to get. So I had to figure out how the people were able to get curries back then, if curries were so hard to get. These curries are found deep in the ocean. They hardly even come to the seashore, but they used to have, they used to carry corpses. So corpses, they load them with heavy weight. Now they drop them down deep in the ocean. They wait for a couple of days for these curries to actually go and stick on them. And now they will swim deep down the ocean. And if you, if you can remember back in the day, there were no swimming gears. There were no proper gears to go deep down the ocean floor to get these curries. So it was just a few strong men who had access to going into the sea to get the curries. So once they bring the curries, they give the curries to the locals and in exchange, they take their products. Now the curries became that symbol of value. People started using it to, to trade. So in Ghana, anybody that sees the curry knows the value of it. Our first currency carried the symbol of the curry on it. And up till now, there are villages and communities who still value the importance of the carries. There are villages you can go today and all you need to do as an initiation or for you to be accepted in the community is to drop them a couple of carries and then the village elders will know, okay, you understand their values and you've placed value on them. So the carries became the go-to figure for wealth. So with it, you could trade for food, you could trade for a service or you could trade for something. Fast forward, yeah, they decided to was still the curry and we're still having the curries on uh the different currencies that we have. So that's the story of the current uh, of the curries. It's been very, very instrumental in our economic value and everybody holds that curry very special in Ghana, even today. That's super interesting. Just a follow-up question on that, because um, as Edward mentioned, there was a lot of gold. So was carries being used in parallel to gold or uh, before gold or instead of gold? So um, gold was in abundance here. So the people asked then didn't really value it, trading it amongst themselves because almost every family here in Ghana back then had gold. It was so much in abundance. So uh, why are you coming to give me gold again to just come and take the food I already have, uh, to take my food? I want something I don't have. And that was the curry. So even though gold was there, gold was actually being traded in between the foreigners. So the, the British and the Portuguese, the white settlers that came, they were more interested in gold. So we traded gold with them and then we traded with curries amongst each other. So you could count, um, let's say, you, you could count like 15 curries for a kilo of, let's say, maize, and we were using that. So the, the, the white settlers knew the value of gold, they liked it, and we had it in abundance, which we still do. So we wanted something of value you could not easily get accessible in Ghana. And you know the curry, you can only get it from the sea and how many people have access to go to the sea deep down the floor to bring this so the process in which you would have to get that was so hard it, it is just like mining bitcoin currently you the the the, the sea the, the the sea uh guys the fishermen would have to go to the sea 
dropping their bait, wait for a couple of days now, they will have to descend down the, 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 the line onto the ocean floor, get the scaries, and then come back with it. So that, that was how um, the trade system was. So trade among each other, we were using scaries, trade to the um, foreigners or the new settlers, we use gold because we had it in abundance. Not just gold, um, we had diamonds as well. Um, even as, 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 as early as the 80s, you could be walking after a rainstorm and then you kick stones, you, you can see gold on the floor. And currently there are villages, there are communities. After every heavy rain down pause, you could pick diamonds or you could pick gold on the floor. Wow. Yeah. What an interesting story. Uh, seems like Ghana has deep monetary history. Proof of swim. That's the cowries. <laughs> so um, I suggest with that amazing story, uh, we move on to Ghana today. And um, we have, of course, another song. Lucky Mena by Gome. Gome is a Ga language song and is sung by Lucky Mena. It talks about how he needs to be saved from hardship and all he needs is to be loved. This is by Edward. A description. Thank you. <laughs> Yes. Do you want to add anything to that one, Edward? The caption explains itself. Um, everyone needs to be saved. Um, everyone needs to be loved, basically. <laughs> Especially in the bar season, basically. So, yeah. <laughs> awesome. W where is Ghana today as a country? Very rich history, super powerful kings, a lot of gold, a lot of riches. Where is Ghana today? Okay, so let me let me come in first. It's rather unfortunate with all the rich history with all the natural resources we have gold oil diamonds uh, rich vegetation all of this i would say ghana is still struggling to find its feet economically because if you look at our inflation if you look at the government and the policies that are coming out if you look at the challenges the youth are facing if you look at the economic constraints inflation how prices could change overnight the way things are happening is rather unfortunate with all that we have we would have to still be where we are but we are just hopeful the current government is um going to work in there is is going to give us that kind of um opportunity to to scale up i'm saying this because if if you looked at how the bitcoin africa conference came into ghana where the minister of um of, of information and other big stakeholders in government were actually present at the bitcoin africa conference then it, it, it looks as if they are listening they are watching they are paying attention they know 
they know the current state and the current state is not that good. They can feel and they know there are certain things we can do better. So many uh, things happening, you, you, you just don't understand why a country with all these natural resources, with a youthful population that is educated and willing to, to advance. Ghana currently, we, we are not at the place we have to be. Uh, some facts. Uh, how many people live in Ghana? Just quick. Uh, we, we are around 30.4 million people right now. 10.4 million. Okay. Yeah, 30.4 million. And 43% of the population live in rural areas. Um, 29% of the workforce is employed in agriculture. So let's say, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm giving you some facts, 13.3% of the people live on less than $1.90 a day. 42% of the people in Ghana do not have a financial account. 94% of the children in Ghana have primary education properly done. So look at these statistics. 30.4 million, 43% living in rural areas, 29% of the workforce employed in agriculture, 13% of the people live on less than $2 a day, 42% of the people do not have a bank account. But good news is with the, with the introduction of Momo, so I, would, I, could, I could rework this number out to say, okay, if they have Momo, and that, that number could reduce, but proper financial system that is um, um, strong and resistant, about 42% of people don't have that. The good thing for us is almost about 94% of all the children have some form of basic education because of the introduction of um, free SHS by the current government, some basic education. And and I'm feeling that effect because I, I travel into the villages more often to go in talk to people about Bitcoin. And with that basic uh, knowledge or the basic education, once you start something with them, they quickly pick up and they're able to follow up. So that I would say is, is a step in the right direction by the government. Okay, thanks for those uh, facts. How many languages are spoken in Ghana? Ghana has almost over, I, I would say almost like 20 languages, but okay. officially, officially English, Gang, Hausa, French, and Ewe. That's still a lot. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And uh, are the, you mentioned the CD earlier. That's the currency. What's the full name of that currency? I think the, the, the currency is the Ghanaian CD. That's it. I think we changed from the CD to Ghanaian CD. And who's issuing the, the, the Ghanaian Central Bank? Yes, yes, the Bank of Ghana, yeah, the Central Bank. And what's the inflation in Ghana? I think the inflation in Ghana is around 56 or 57. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's pretty high. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and it's always been like that, or is it a re-acceleration? I think that it's a recent um, um, acceleration that happened after the COVID. Okay. Final, I have a final question on Ghana today, and it's about the Kingdom of Ashanti. You mentioned that the king is still there. How does it work? Okay, so let me let me break it down. Um, Ghana, by its nature, before we even had the president or, 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 or we even turned into a democracy, the communities we live in. So let's say um, every area in Ghana has an ethnic leader, which is either called a chief or a king depending on how big the area is. So it's not 
only the Ashanti kingdom we have. We have the Ashanti kingdom. We have the Airways. We have the Aquemu. We have the Gans. We have the the uh, the Gombes, the Nordness. So there are several kingdoms in Ghana, and there are several um chiefdoms in Ghana. They work in this way. So they are let's say the local heads of the people, they rule and govern the local heads, but in, with respect to the government, but then the policies and regulations by the government still binds them. So they cannot do anything that is contrary to what the government is saying, even though they are kingdom and then they are running, they have the power and the authority to do certain developmental projects, uh, make sure the people within their kingdom are okay, the they are all right. Everything is okay with them. So the Ashanti Kingdom also has um a lot of gold deposit within the Ashanti uh, 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 their kingdom. So they pride themselves with that commodity they have, which is gold. So they use some of the resources from the gold to make sure their kingdom is looking good and standing strong, developing the area. So in Ghana, the responsibility is not just on the central authority or let's say the president alone these kingdoms and these chiefs also have the ability to actually initiate certain developmental projects that will benefit the people and then along the line call for help from the government to come in okay that was super interesting i have a friend that uh, used to do a lot of business in africa and he used to tell me about uh, the uh, kingdom of ashanti and uh, the king of ashanti that he yeah. still uh, still is there and that he would meet uh, from time to time you want to add he anything? has a gold coin can you believe that he has a gold coin yes his own or his own gold coin that the kingdom has abundance of gold so this is what he did um 2 years ago he actually um got a company to mint gold coins with his image and face on it. So when when you visit the palace, as a token of appreciation, he can give you one of that, then you can keep it or you can decide to do whatever you want with it. But if you officially visit the palace and then you you you, you contribute to, let's say, a project you're doing, then he in turn gives you one of those gold coins. Wow, okay. Um, guys, I think it's time to dive into Bitcoin, right? Uh, we have a Bitcoin audience. I'm sure they're dying to hear about what's going on in Bitcoin in Ghana. So uh, with that, I would like to present uh, Zadelor. I'm probably killing this, slaughtering this name. Zadelor uh, by Awi Awi. Awi Away. This song is about a mother giving good advice to her daughter, but she didn't listen to her mother and she got into bad influences. And now her mother is dead and she now wants her mother to come back and advise her. But she knows that it's not possible now. And this is Ezra uh, description. <laughs> I'm 
What language is this? Uh, yeah, that's uh, Ga. So Ga, and then traditionally on Tuesdays, um, also we, we 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 tend to play it here at the at one corner. Um, you know, it's a personal favorite, and also it's kind of keeping in line with like you know giving good advice um, and what we try to do with our meetups and give people a good foundation, teaching them about um, you know Bitcoin, um, so that they can kind of understand. So. Kind of fitting in that sense okay so let's talk about bitcoin history in ghana uh, any old bitcoin ogs that you know about any old bitcoin companies or any shitcoin scams or bitcoin scams that were happening back in the day uh, please share with us uh, i recall ezra you had some deep bitcoin history in ghana maybe i'm wrong but uh, yeah, who wants to who wants to start here? We started doing um, you know accepting Bitcoin at the you know restaurant. This was a few years ago now. So, but like history wise, we have some yeah we have a founder me with the Blockchain Academy considered one of the main founders who brought internet to Africa. In that sense, I think Ghana has a you know quite a deep you know history with Bitcoin. Um, so he's um, yeah and still quite active. And then involved in Bitcoin here in Ghana. Okay. He was the person that brought internet to Africa and uh, he was one of the early Bitcoiners? Well, he's, he's been working. Yeah. He started, um, um, you know, I miss it. anyone chime in if it's not correct, but um, the helps. He started a blockchain academy here, here in Accra in Ghana in East Legon. Okay. What else? What did this blockchain academy do? It sounds like they do all kinds of coins. Uh, so maybe uh, not uh, Bitcoin only. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, I think there's some other coins. He developed a kiosk as well. I think he's also involved, also working closely with the government as well, CBDC, and also trying to educate them in a sense also about Bitcoin in the sense that it might not be actually opposing what they're trying to do. So he's kind of a bit, you know, walking a thin line, trying to work with a central bank and also within um, Bitcoin. But I think the kiosk, I think it's mostly Bitcoin or it's only Bitcoin and like Momo or something. Yeah, we didn't bring him on. You suggested Ezra, we do, but we're keeping strict to Bitcoin maxis. So uh, even when somebody's a really interesting OG, we... Uh, we try to keep to the maxis and uh, hearing the maxi stories. And hey, Kumi, Edward, about a, a little bit about some of the old, uh, the OGs. So I am a broadcast journalist, and then I work with one of Ghana's um, urban radio stations. It was actually one of the first urban radio stations to come up in Ghana. It's called YFM. It's for the youth. It was a strictly it's a strictly English radio station, and I was a young kid as a then, new to radio. Then I was on the radio one day, we were on air, then a gentleman came in, he wanted to talk to us. Then he started talking about Bitcoin and crypto and a whole lot of things here and there. After then, I was so fresh, I didn't really know exactly what he was doing and then what he was talking about. But daily, he comes around to tell us about 
Bitcoin. Then I decided, all right, I'll start to read more on myself, more by myself. But fast forward, I realized he wasn't a strictly Bitcoin person. He was doing Bitcoin and doing all other kinds of coins in addition. So he set up um, a platform whereby he was he was getting people to give him money. He would rather buy. He claims he's investing and trading. Then at the end of the day, he will give them money back. So a lot of people fell for this guy. And I knew him, but I didn't know what he was doing. So when I started reading deeper as a 2017, then I got to know, wow. So this guy actually knows Bitcoin and he knows these other coins. And he's just um, leaving off the back of the people because they don't know what Bitcoin is. Fast forward, he had to crash and he's no more in Ghana. But all these guys have lost a whole lot of money. So from there, getting to know Bitcoin and me being on radio, people started out reaching out to me. Then I started educating people more. Then I started going deep. Then so in, in, in my early stages of Bitcoin, I, I was that person who was just helping people identify what is real Bitcoin from the other shit coins. While I was actually not um, investing or buying Bitcoin as I did. But then I was just reading almost everything about Bitcoin as at that time. So people would call me, they would recommend me to people. I uh, So almost even now, people call me. This guy called me, he says, I need to pay this, I need to do that. Is it true? Is it real? Then I go and check it out. All I will find out, they are shit coins. So now it's like I've become the go-to person to verify. Is this a Bitcoin venture? Is it real or not? Are these guys real? then I will help them out. So that is how it, it all evolved into me setting up uh, Bitcoin calories and which is aimed at educating people about how Bitcoin is and how to identify all of these crypto scams that are happening around. If, if you walk in town, I mean, you could, you could see evidence of scams around. There are huge billboards luring people to come and invest in real estate crypto. There was this huge billboard. As at the conference, me and Paco ran with Bitcoin. We had to go to the billboard and record a video there just to sensitize Ghanaians that these guys are not real Bitcoiners and these guys, they have to be careful about how um, the crypto community, how all these lucrative promises are coming up. I mean, there's been there's been an era in Ghana whereby I wouldn't use crypto because his, his was not crypto. And my fellow guys here, they know the whole lot of money, even government officials ended up investing with him. And one day, boom, he was gone. The, the platform was gone. The central bank says, yo, you can't do anything. And everybody's money until now, nobody has been able to receive their money because he was the only beneficiary. He owns everybody's money. He was paying people as a win. And now the government comes in and he shut down. Uh -huh, the company name is called Men's Gold with the promise of some kind of quick investment. Yeah, people went inside, were investing, and now it's gone. So these are some of the practical examples I've been using. And even when I talk about this like this, it gives people the hope, okay, real Bitcoin is not telling you like what these crypto guys are telling you. Real Bitcoin won't tell you come and do A, B, C, D. It is just to know what it is. And then with what you know with it, you just scale up and then you build on from there. So that's a little bit about some of the scammers around Ghana and then what you are doing with 
the crypto and all that they are doing. And the great work you guys are doing in helping people go the right direction. I really like to hear that. Anyone yeah. wants to add uh, anything to the history? <laughs> yeah, so um, back then, what happened was um, there were you know, people that I knew that you know were buying Bitcoin from trusted individuals that maybe probably they met online. At the time, mobile wallets were not as popular as of today. Like you have, you know, Bitcoin wallet. So what happened was um, they kind of go to town, take money from people, write their names inside of books or pamphlets. And then anytime they come home, they kind of transfer this crypto to this individual. So it was, you know, basically built on like P2P, the true form of P2P. So you kind of had to trust these individuals basically to be able to send you the money that you've given them, let's say a day before or two days prior to them sending, right? There were also, you know, some other platform that people used to buy cryptocurrencies for themselves. So there was this platform called eCurrency for you. There was also Payplugs. So with Payplugs, what happened was that there was perfect money. So you use perfect money, you buy perfect money, and then you use perfect money to buy Bitcoins on Payplugs, basically. I think there was also local Bitcoins at the, at the time. So yeah, so there was no prominent person in the forefront that I know of. But then this platform were dead, um, save um, the people with Bitcoin. Um, talking about scams and Ponzi schemes, and people want to make quick money, right? Everybody wants to just double their money and everybody wants to just get money using maybe so, so somebody say bring 50 cities i'll give you 500 cities so what happens was that it becomes kind of an mmm structure just recruiting people from different different areas so there's this in person that says that okay um bring 50 cities and then bring two people that will bring 250 cities and then once you bring that to 50 cities you end your 50 cities plus the 50 cities that you brought in, right? And anytime those two people also bring some money, you kind of end some part of those money. So it was kind of like a self-recruiting scam. That was what was happening, right? And most of these individuals were accepting Bitcoin as a means of payments, right? So that they cannot be tracked. So we're just using Bitcoin. So people would think that, oh, because um, Bitcoin is affiliated to this Ponzi scheme, Bitcoin is like a bad tool. But then um, it was just basically people that just were interested in scamming people with their money. So we just noticed that like with time, all the Bitcoins that they kind of have, have sent to this platform kind of disappears. So I think that's one of the scams to kind of um, happened in Ghana in terms of Bitcoin. Thanks, Edward. And yeah, Bitcoin is, Bitcoin history is littered with scams and all kinds of crazy stuff. So it's really nice to see that there's a group of Bitcoiners that are leading the way in Ghana. And with that, I suggest we move into listening to what you guys are doing and what's happening in Bitcoin in Ghana today. We have talking about money, African money by Sydney. Africa money is a song by Sydney Parima Opong. African money from the album Ghana Awake was released in the year 2011. The song is about how African governments misuse the money from their citizens. I saw the YouTube video. I can highly recommend it. It uh, starts with uh, somebody bribing somebody. It's uh, yeah, quite expressive. This uh, song was selected by 
Edward. Yes, uh, party time. Yeah, do you feel the vibes? I feel the vibes. I feel this space is lit. I'm really enjoying listening to you guys. Now we're going to talk about Bitcoin in Ghana. I suggest, Kumi, maybe you start and uh, share what what are you doing? Okay, thank you very much. Um, let me take them one by one because I, I have a few things going on with Bitcoin currently. The first is the most important for me, which I hold really dear to my heart. That is Bitcoin education. I uh, I have this year planned out. I I, I want to visit all the sixteen regions of Ghana with Bitcoin education. All I want to do is hit all the regional capitals, two towns each. Make sure I establish contact with some locals a few people about bitcoin give them some such and then rope them in into a smaller group and keep up with them and i would say uh we're just in february but i've already visited about eight towns already and in all these eight towns i have people in there who have who are who, who now know bitcoin who have some sats on them, who know how to do a couple of transactions using their sats, have onboarded shops within these local communities, and it's been amazing. I hold that project really, really dear to my heart. I couldn't have done it alone. I'm doing this with um, Bitcoin Ekasi and then Bitcoin Beach. They, they have provided me with support to be able to move around these local communities. The voter region so far, I would say, I'm done with the voter region because I visited like six communities back to back and they are small villages. And the good thing is they are close to the border. So the, the villages I, I, I visited in the voter region, they are close to the border with Togo and a lot of trading go on there. So in a flower like this, there's a lot of trading. There are people from Nigeria, Togo, all on the border. So the kind of people on the border, there's a diverse kind of people there and people already coming with bitcoin the the community if you go on the ground you realize the locals have bitcoin but their knowledge on bitcoin is a bit low they didn't know about lightning they didn't know how they could even get lightning wallets they were the wallets they had were all unchanged so with a little education things are shooting up in agbozume specifically uh with the help of bitcoin ekasi we are looking at um, building a Bitcoin circular economy there where we're going to use a community center to educate the people on Bitcoin and tech. We're looking at how we would rope in some teachers. We would pay them in such. Uh, basically, everything we're going to do in the community is going to be be on Bitcoin and we're going to use such for all of that. It is coming up. We, we're just starting, but it's, it's shaping up gradually. The basic 
uh, thing is to make sure a core number of people actually know and understand Bitcoin. 20 guys who are actually learning, I place them on the 21 Bitcoin so they could uh, read and understand well. And at the end of the day, after you finish your 21 days, you get some sacks as well. So in the group I have with them, almost every day, once the lesson comes, I follow up and I ask if you have questions, then I help them in the back as well so that we can evolve into the Bitcoin circular economy we are looking at building. Uh, with the education and all of that, educating people in the local community, I realized, okay, the young ones are benefiting because I'm able to give them such. Now, the businesses I'm onboarding, the kind of businesses I'm onboarding are the businesses that the locals actually buy from them. So my target businesses are the local food sellers within these communities. In Abuzeme, there are two local food sellers which are onboarded so the people that have such could buy from here. We set up a Twitter account for her, blasted her account, and some generous people actually give her some sats to put into her business. Now, the big question is, if you're going to build a Bitcoin circular economy, then you have to belong into the production or the food chain of the economy. So I asked the lady, where do you buy the produce? She sells banku and okru, some basic food. Where do you buy these things from? Then she says she buys from the farmers. Okay, then if we are going to build a Bitcoin circular economy, then we must belong into the field where production is being done. That is the smallholder farmers. That's the smallholder farm for uh, farmers. So uh, I came up with a project called My Sats Farm, basically investing in the smallholder farmers so they can feel empowered. So at the end, when they, are, they get their produce, they can also sell to the consumers in sats that will fast track building the local economy. So because if 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 the the local farmers are the ones that that feed the the local communities, so if we are able to find a way to empower these local farmers using Bitcoin, then they would get to understand that okay, this is an economy for us. So this this was the basic example. Uh, I'm looking at um getting people to rent farms in Ghana or within these local communities. So basically, you could empower a farmer, you rent the farmer's land for the farmer to plant maize for you. You invested Bitcoin in the farmer. Now, when the produce is ready, we follow up with the farmer to sell the produce in Bitcoin to the consumers, a bit cheaper than the local price on the market where people are buying with fiat. So let's say, if you invest in the farmer, you, you, you pay a farmer X amount of money. The, the farmer uh, farms the maize in your name. You, you, you tell the farmer how you want your maize to be done. Now, once the harvest is ready, because you invested in Bitcoin with the person, you technically owns the produce. So you decide you want to sell them in Bitcoin to the locals cheaper than the ones in fiat. And this will fast track the Bitcoin circular economies we, we are looking at building. Uh, the next thing I am working on is called um, the Bitcoin Street Store. There's a lot of um, opportunities for Ghanaian entrepreneurs. They are they are very crafty. Ghanaians are very, very crafty, the, the, the young ones. And almost everybody has something to sell in one way or the other. The bigger problem is access to market and then access to um, financial systems. So my 
The Bitcoin Street Store is basically looking at coming up with an online platform whereby entrepreneurs in Ghana, as long as you have something to sell and you're willing to accept Bitcoin, we help you with the integration. So the Ghanaian community can have a go-to place when it comes to identifying small startups that are accepting Bitcoin in payments within Ghana. So you could go to the the site you're look you're looking for somebody that can give you a shirt but you have you want to pay in bitcoin once you get there you can identify the person and then you can buy from the person we are looking at um integrating other opportunities as well like tickets to events tickets to shows on the platform so ghana can have a go-to please like a marketplace for Bitcoiners in Ghana. Ghana has a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of crafty people, but they don't have access to market and a lot, uh, a lot of um, opportunities when it comes to finances. So we're looking at building a platform, a go-to place for everything Bitcoin for Ghanaians. So if you're looking for an entrepreneur in Ghana that has a business and they accept Bitcoin, once you get there, you can see the person, you can buy from them directly they accept their lightning payment so something like the amazon of ghana but strictly lightning and strictly bitcoin once you're on it you know which products which services which organizations which institutions are trading and doing businesses in bitcoin and to add up there's there's this guy in my group called so he he can speak four of the local languages so we have this educational manual from bitcoin for fairness it's really simple, and that's the, the manual I use when I go to the villages. It's very simple. What is Bitcoin? How to get a wallet? And it's so easy to, to, to work with. He's translating that into the four major languages we have here as well, so we can carry it along when we are going to educate people. Yeah, so the, the, the next thing is, um, I don't know if you've noticed online, we are already kicking off a Bitcoin circular economy again. So the first economy is in the Volta region, which we are at the basic stage. But there's one in Accra called uh, Kokrovite. We're doing that with Bitcoin Ekazi and Bitcoin Beach. And Mr. Bright slides. Mr. Bright is a surfer in Ghana, he's a professional surfer. And... He builds surfboards. He's teaching the locals um, how to surf. And then we are roping in some NGOs around. So mine is to go and teach Mr. Bright and the locals around him, the NGO and the kids, get them to know and understand Bitcoin. Then we can see how best we can scale up to calling for funding for all the humanitarian stuff that he's doing. So for now, I would say the economy set up for Kukurubiti is done because we already have four shops that are accepting Bitcoin. Uh, we have locals um, training and educating almost daily about how to get uh, a bigger overview of Bitcoin and how they can move with it. So basically all these things together and that's what I'm working on now. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah and this is taking yeah, you, all your time i assume because i mean th this is so much you, this can I, I can't imagine you have time to do anything else oh so um for now i'm doing uh, bitcoin full time I, I i'm a digital marketer so i have the liberty of having to work remotely so i i now spending doing Bit, uh, bitcoin full time and then doing my other stuff remotely. So because I I I I don't know, it's like something I've taken up upon myself. There is something Ghana lacked, 
Ghana lacked a figure. Ghana lacked um, that authority that Bitcoin is, is something beneficial. So once the conference came in, the Bitcoin Africa conference, I would say, is one of the most beneficial conferences I've ever attended in my life. And I am now moving to people and then making sure they get to know Bitcoin and take advantage of all the opportunities coming up. So it, it will be a great honor for me to see Bitcoin adoption moving so rapidly in Ghana. Our, our first meetup, Ezra, Ezra's um, restaurant, One Corner. I would say One Corner has been very, very, very good to us and instrumental. Within the short space, we informing Ezra, we wanted to do our first Bitcoin meetup in Accra. And quickly, Ezra and Sue, they, they, they got things together. We were able to do our first meetup. And it was amazing, the diverse cultures that came there. We, were talk, we thought we were doing Accra Bitcoin meetup at uh, One Corner's Garden, Ezra's restaurant. Now we had Cameroonians there, we had Ivorians, we had Nigerians, and they were all interested. They were like, we were looking for a community in Ghana so we could we could join. We are all Bitcoiners. And amazing. Uh, some of the conference attendees were there. They had to give them gifts, give them some hard wallets and all of that. So that instance actually gave a lot of confidence to people that Bitcoin is here to stay and Bitcoin is very instrumental. It, a lot of people were thinking Bitcoin is illegal in Ghana, but with the conference coming in and now you can move Bitcoin into your momo, all that mindset is changing. There, there are people who, who look at me and ask, Kumi, you, why are you into Bitcoin? I say, yes, because Bitcoin is the future. So uh, there's something I want to say. When, when I was on radio, my radio station was the first ever radio station in Ghana to have a Twitter account. The first ever radio station in Ghana to actually have a Facebook account that was doing live update. And I was the one, the social media manager then. When I was talking to them about bit, uh, when I was talking to them about social media, they were like, what are you talking about? And here we are today. Social media is taking over. Now I'm telling them the new thing we are done and over with social. The new thing that all you guys looking up to me need to do now is Bitcoin. And it's amazing, it's working. Because a lot of people know me for that. They know like I catch up with things very fast. And I'm telling them Bitcoin it is now. We all need to follow. So that's what I've been doing currently. That's so inspiring to hear, Kumi. And I I really think that this this idea of Picking Bitcoin as a career path uh, and and leading the way, the people that are going to do it now, I believe, are really going to benefit a lot. And I, the more people that can hear that and they can see uh, people like you that are going all in and leading the way, and the more uh, the more people I think we can bring on board to uh, to help with adoption because. Uh, we all know what Lightning is doing at the moment and how it it's made it easier to really show Bitcoin to people. So, um, yeah, kudos to that. Super cool. Okay. So, Kumi, do you have a large team uh, that you're working with? Are you at the moment solo, just chugging along? Um, or are you, is there many people working with you on this? It sounds like there's a lot of different sub-projects. So, um, do you have different people that are focusing on these uh, different projects? How, how are you organizing? Yeah, so I have different people focusing on some of the projects. Um, currently on the spaces, there is a 
Soro, G.H. Bitlingo. He's the one doing the translations. And on the space again, there is Abigail Samuel. He's the one I, I'm traveling with to the local communities. Even this morning, we were in Kukrubite. I shared some of the pictures with Mary, uh, meeting some of the locals. And there is there is another bigger team, uh, about four guys who are helping me with a couple of documentation. But I'm, I'm on the, uh, let's say, on the go guy with Samuel and then Soro. We, as of now, the energy is like packed. So we, we are going all out on almost every other project to make sure the foundations are right. Then we can give individual duties and let them scale up on their own. But for now, it's like all play, all, all hands on deck. We, we are making sure we get the basics right. So with the, my my Sats farm, the, the Sats farm idea, I, I had a conversation with two friends of mine in Cameroon, which they like the idea. So I'm working with them on it uh, because they they have the land. They didn't know what the, this they could do. Then I shared the idea, my Sats farm. Get let's get people to rent this land. Let's get them to pay the farmers in Bitcoin. Now we give them good seeds. Three months, maize harvest is ready. We sell it a bit cheaper than the market. We are empowering. We are speeding up the adoption to build Bitcoin economies. They were like, whoa, they like it. So I'm working with them on that so they could pilot it in Cameroon. And I feel this idea could be piloted everywhere. It will get to a time we, the Bitcoiners, could have the stocks of all these grains and stuff. So we decide to release them at very cheap prices, accepting only Bitcoin payments. See how that is going to go. It's, it's, I, I see it to be something that's really going to help with Bitcoin adoption and make things faster. So we brought up Soro and uh, maybe Soro wants to add something about yeah. the work he's doing together with you. Hey, Soro, please unmute. Okay, so thank you so much. I, I appreciate this effort. This is my first time to be here and I'm so grateful. Okay, so to, to start everything, I would like to congratulate Kumi for his effort to bring us together to work this as a team because there's always a shame when the load is shared, it becomes lighter. So, okay. When the news was broadcast, like they are coming to do Bitcoin conference in Africa and it's going to be hosting Ghana. Kumi told me and we started to gather and back on, and back on this journey. And I had a lot of different mindset of, about Bitcoin and I took it upon myself that, okay, fine. Then I have to help hand in hand with Kumi to progress this uh, future. And then he gave me an opportunity to embark on translating Bitcoin uh, materials into the local dialect here, that would be so comfortable for everyone to participate in Bitcoin. So I figured out that, okay, so people who are here and mostly into Bitcoin are centered in a community whereby they are mostly Hausa-speaking people. If you say Hausa-speaking people in Ghana, I mean like a Muslim community who speaks Hausa language. And it's one of the major languages that's widely spoken in Ghana. And I took it upon myself that, okay, so then I'll go to the various places and talk to the vendors. And okay, to, 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 to bring in also this place, if you go there, you can see a lot of market women who are selling spices, who are selling beans, uh, coconut, a lot of product. And these guys are also selling and doing sort of market works. And I see that, okay, they can be interested in, in Bitcoin. 
whereby they are all they are going to uh, own their own money in their own wallet. Nobody is going to control for them as it was being implemented in this world that you have to give your money to people to watch it for you. And I started to speak to some of these guys and they were so interested. Already they knew about Bitcoin, but a few people were, I mean, contradicting them. They were deceiving them as in a way of pay money and I'll give you Bitcoin, do this, do this. And after I went to this conference, I got more knowledge in depth about how Bitcoin can be controlled by your own self with nobody trying to give you souvenir or a referee. No. So I made them understand this. I took them through the, uh, I mean, the, the handout or the, what do you call it, the leaflet, and they were so excited. People started to embrace it. So you gather, you gather some few people and let orange uh, preach them, and you started to give them start and also let, letting them to register Bitcoin account. So from there, I have been going through this woman, this market woman. Maybe uh, I will probably send some pictures around and started to, I mean, advise this, uh, advise this on uh, TikTok, uh, Twitter now. So as I'm saying, uh, after I did this, I see that they were more into it because they have found that the language suited to them and they can read it and understand what Bitcoin is about. So from there, I see a progress going on as it is here. And I'm aiming for like five years to come with a combination of Kumi, that Bitcoin carries and the sponsorship and the help from this community, you are going to go far to extend that. People will be even surprised that even pure water seller or a street vendor will exchange Bitcoin to, I mean, buy their stuff and all that. So that is the journey that I'm taking with the help of Kumi and uh, friends and parents backing me. Sorry. So, so far, so good. This is what, is, what you are doing in Ghana to spread Bitcoin across the whole globe, uh, a whole Ghana. And we are hoping, or we are hoping a few years to come, like five years, Ghana is going to lead even now in Nigeria. As I heard, Nigeria is leading. Five years to come, Ghana is going to lead. And it's not something uh, magic. It's going to be a work done and very, very uh, approachable. I I'm done with this now. Zoro, super exciting. <laughs> There's nothing better than somebody talking about your project. We heard how Kumi is spreading the word and we heard you sort of talk about what you're doing on the ground together with Kumi, super exciting. And I just have a follow-up question there. Sora, did Kumi orange pill you or did that happen on the conference? Okay, so yes, first of all, from the beginning, Kumi orange pill me and took me to the conference. So from the conference, I had I had this idea and we were talking us in the meet meetup. And then Kumi introduced me to Anita. And Anita said, Okay, where do I work? And I told them I'm a I'm a broadcaster. I work at TV station. So after like 21 days in the Bitcoin, uh, I'm a broadcaster, I work in the TV station. So uh, Anita said, Okay, what do you do there? I said, I broadcast news on Hausa language and I do mainly on Hausa Hausa speaking uh, communities. And he said, okay, then you can trans translate this book into Hausa language. Since you are saying a lot of people in the Hausa communities are using Bitcoin, but they don't know in-depth description or knowledge about it. So just trans translate the, uh, the people into Hausa and then let them see if things can go on. So from the beginning, Kumi Orange Pilmi took me to the conference and I had this opportunity to also embark on this journey.
and Anita. We hear about Anita. Yeah, Anita. Yes, Anita. I will not, I will not left Anita out. Yeah. Hey, Kumi. I was going to say, how far are you from Coco Memlake? Because Coco Memlake is actually very, very close to where my cousin is actually doing some small farming. Maybe you guys can link up or how, how can we get in contact with Sure, I'm very, very close. I'm in Osu, cantonment. So uh, it's like two minutes drive to Coco Memlake. I'm going to leave my contact with you. You can share with your brother. I'll follow up and meet him. This is exactly why I wanted to come to this meeting, because to be fair, this is exactly why Bitcoin and was, was invented, essentially to go over these banking structures where necessarily now I can, I can fund any project from here and, yeah. and, and fund a good idea and, and necessarily uh, reach out and communicate with each other so we can collaborate on better um, techniques around farming. Because I see that's necessarily what's needed in Ghana. We're going to need yes. a lot of people, especially younger people, to be in front of the supply chain, right? We yes. import way too much fertilizer from Ukraine, too much imported goods from outside the country, and there's no need for that. But I think with conversations like this, speaking to diasporans, speaking to people that have ties inside the country, we can actually form some kind of a cohesion. So yeah. yeah, let's let's do this and let's uh let's move forward. And nice to meet you also, Sulu. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and um now I suggest we move to Ezra is doing some farming. So I think it's a natural transition. Edward and uh Combien, let's let's go with you guys afterwards. So Ezra, uh, would you like to share what you're doing? Yeah, yeah, sure, definitely. Um yeah, first, like to start off, yeah, definitely, um, you know, the Bitcoin conference was quite instrumental in bringing together a lot of, uh, you know, Bit- Bitcoiners or people even interested in Bitcoin together and, um, you know, helping connect um, to have, you know, Ghana still has a relatively small, I would say, Bitcoin only community. So it was uh, quite pivotal in enabling for us all to meet each other and connect. Um, so, yeah, it was great. Kumi coming here and connecting. We, you know, we had a gr- good opportunity to talk and discuss things. And yeah, it was wonderful and, uh, you know, gave people a good vibe, good energy. So, yeah, on to farming. So I actually started farming originally. My first project is actually in, in Togo. And I work with an uh, ancient millet uh, called uh, Black Fonio. And this particular millet is uh, a superfood that's only actually grown in um, West Africa. Um, at one time, it's been cultivated well. Oh, almost 5,000 years now. Um, so it's one of the oldest cultivated grains in the world. So I started that back in 2015. I wanted to focus on underutilized indigenous crops because they're established here and heat resistant and drought resistant and super healthy. Yeah, so moved on from there. I um, started, um, you know, one corner garden with my partner, Nana Kofi, in 2016. And uh, when actually we really got into farming for the restaurant when COVID hit um, and we realized uh, supplies were um, fluctuating, prices were fluctuating. And then we had the opportunity to, you know, test it out with a good friend of ours whose family has been farming for quite some time. So we started uh, actually farming in the Brie area. Then we kind of moved over into Koforidia. Uh, eventually now we're in an area called Tichamante. It's going on the Kamasi Road towards uh, so we said, hey, let's do farm to table. And it's been going well. We've uh, built now five structures as well. 
and then recently purchased about 3.5 acres of virgin forest where we're going to try to also try our hands at centropic agroforestry you know a farm that actually a food a food forest so we're working on that as well so yeah so we have this space it's a it's a nice space and we also wanted to set a, an example for other businesses uh, regarding bitcoin you know we started adopting Bitcoin and then, you know, wanted to use the space also as a meeting point, you know, offering it for, you know, learning space as well. You know, it's hard for a lot of uh, people, uh, Bitcoiners and people who are interested in Bitcoin to, to meet up. And so we said, hey, let's create a space where they can also, we'll also accept and we can in the process also teach and also hopefully meet other business people who are like, wow, you, you know, you accept Bitcoin. What's that about? And see that it's um, something viable. So we also started back to farming. <laughs> Uh, so we're now we're bringing the food from the farm to the restaurant. Also, we want to do a farmer's market. But also in Togo, we're working now with about 93 villages. Those that are into fonio farming, but there's not a huge market for fonio. So we got to start growing. Uh, we started growing in, um, organic non-GMO soybeans and sesame as well. So that, uh, of course, it's important here that people need to make, make a living. So we have to have some products in the interim while we're working and educating people about fonio you know, having some income coming in. So the soybeans and the uh, sesame. Um, so, yeah, so it's interesting what, like what Kumi's doing and, and, and would be interesting to see what we could do also with, you know, having access to 93 villages here, but also doing it in the area where we are uh, in, in Tichamante. Yeah, so we, we're trying to do our, our, our little bit that what we can with, you know, having, uh, you know, business. We also have a guest house as well. So we can also accept uh, sets for the guest house, getting out there, creating a positive space, a good meeting point, and with the farming, um, see see what we can do with the farming as well um, regarding uh, Bitcoin. So I'll be in touch with, uh, definitely be in touch with Kumi. I just have one more question for you, Ezra. I wanted to say, have you come across any farmers dealing with livestock, any cows, cattle, beef, anything like that? Yeah, yeah, there's, uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of. Um, uh, you know, farmers that are dealing with livestock. We don't really deal with livestock ourselves, but um, there's a lot of people um, yeah, dealing from chicken to pig farming to, you know, from cattle. Um, yeah. Ezra, I'm wondering yeah. how big is your your operation in terms of manpower? How, how many people are, are working on the land? Okay, well, we have a very small team at the moment. We're here at the Tichamante farm. So on average, we're working about three Three of us, including, you know, my business partner, myself, and that's including the forest land. That's about 15.5 acres that we're, we're farming at the moment. So it's, it's a lot of work. We don't have uh, any machinery or anything. Most of it, um, if we need, <clears throat> if we need to pull some stumps or something, we rent a tractor. Yeah. So, and it, it can fluctuate depending on the, uh, on the season. So you're an expat, right? You're not, uh, you're not from Ghana. You've moved to Ghana. And you you started various businesses. Would you say because one thing that's really popular amongst Bitcoiners is say uh, you know build your citadel, uh, get your own uh, food supply, uh, farm your own stuff, uh, yeah, get off grid. Would you say that Ghana is a place Bitcoiners could go to to set up their citadel? Would you? recommend it well <clears throat> i mean I, I recommend it but also ghana like i, I say ghana is definitely not for for everyone with its uh, set of challenges but um for people who like for me i already knew already 2009 when i first came to visit my father i already knew that 
I was had the, deep down inside. I knew I was coming to Ghana. I actually was in, in, in Japan for a bit and um, in 2013 came for a one month visit and never left. So, yeah, I think it I think there's a yeah, there it is ripe and there's opportunity. Yeah. A lot of people, they come and then a lot of people, they leave after after a while. OK, so some patience, some stamina, but yes. it's fertile and uh, there's a lot of opportunity if you have the patience. That's your summary, right? Yeah. I don't want to sugarcoat anything. A lot of people are out sugarcoating all the time, and it's um, no, it's not like that. Yeah, I hear. I heard uh, many people also mentioning the beauty of the country, the uh, landscape being uh, beautiful, beaches, and it's just extraordinarily beautiful. And then also the culture, like people are super happy, it's super safe. Of course, all people have their struggles, but I've heard a lot of say good vibes from from Ghana. Yes, definitely. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Ghana's, you know, that's why, yeah, I've been here 10 years straight. So not looking to leave anytime soon. Whoop, whoop. Uh, Mr. G has a question. I, I got a lot of questions. And now because Ezra has kind of stroked a little bit of my curiosity here. So I noticed you have a problem with heavy machinery where you have to rent tractors and things like that. I would like to get together and see what can be done about that. We have some heavy machinery available between at least the cooperative of some farmers because tractors, things like that, renting them, that always cuts into the profit margin of the actual farming project itself. And I think maybe some outside funding is necessarily needed. Like I would really like to talk to you guys and I would like to maybe have you guys talk to my cousin one of these days. And so that's, that's just that me identifying uh, one of the problems that I see and uh, looking for a way to fix it. So, yeah. So, um, a lot of entrepreneurs on this space. Yeah, so Mr. G, he's from the capital of capital, in the capital of capital rather, New York, in Harlem, with an amazing Bitcoin community there. So I, I'm sure there could be some, some love happening between the Ghana community and the Harlem Bitcoin community via Mr. G and all you guys here. And Ezra, I just wanna ask you about this one uh, sorry, what's the name of the space? One Corner Garden. It's in Kokomimle. It's a beautiful place. Yeah, so, um, One Corner Garden. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, um, yeah. It's been, we, we started in 2016. It keeps evolving. Yeah, so um, it's a beautiful garden space. All the plants that we have, we planted ourselves and also the wood. We have a rooftop area as well. So it, a, a lot of the material that we get comes from the farm as well. And so we, you know, we recycle, we use our old mayonnaise and uh, jars and things. We recycle them, uh, clean them, uh, put our, our, our stickers on. We make our own apateshi, which is like a, um, a local liquor made from palm. But then we do, you know, we experiment as well. We um, uh, make coconut uh, apateshi, pure. When we grow our own sugar cane, so we make our own sugar cane syrup. And um, so it's a full, full ecosystem that we've developed here in in the heart of Accra. Also, we host art events, uh, live music events, get together Bitcoin events, DJ events, a meeting place, cultural hub, beer garden, guest house in the heart of Accra. Yes. Sounds really cozy. <laughs> so what's your opening hours like? Um, right now they're varied. You know, we, we've changed them, which we're going to change again. We're opening also a cafe and also a gift shop. And yeah, once we do that and, and also a co-working space. Um, so once we do that, our hours will change. As of now, we open 12 noon till 10, depending. Um, we go later if we have customers. 
on Sundays that we open a bit later at three, but that's going to change from three also till 10. Okay. So anybody coming to Ghana and Accra should come visit your place. And One Corner is the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it is it searchable on Google? Yes, and we're on uh, BT. We're on the Bitcoin map, so you can find us as a Bitcoin establishment. You know, and yeah, you can find us on Google. You can read up on us, and we're also on Instagram at One Corner GH on Instagram. If you want to have a look and see what what we're up to, or text Ezra, so I yeah, hook you up, <laughs> bring you on, and uh, have a coffee, right? <laughs> yes, coffee, yeah, whatever you like. We have it, and fresh squeezed juices as well, and squeezed. Everyday fresh orange pills in liquid form. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> okay. So I'm thinking that we uh, we should listen to Edward and Combian and their story about Bitnob and anything else that they're they're onto. Edward, I think that it would be really cool if you can tell us first the genesis story of Bitnob, uh, because Bitnob was founded in Ghana. Bitnob, for those that don't know, is one of the leading Bitcoin startups in the world and also in all of Africa. It's an inspiration in the continent, very uh, successful Bitcoin business that recently made an integration with Strike, I think. Maybe they have something going on with Coin Corner. Uh, I'll let Edward talk about it. But Edward, please tell us the Genesis story first, and then we move into present time. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Lucas. I am Bernard met in... um, school that's like Kofuridia Polytechnic at the time, now um, Kofuridia Technical University, working on multiple projects that were not really Bitcoin related at the time, but then we just taking random projects and then working on it. Um, so we kind of stumbled upon like a project that we worked on, um, that's the crypto portfolio manager that we worked on, and then that's like kind of um, set the ball rolling but before that time Bernard was already into Bitcoin but then I was not fully into Bitcoin I was just you know um, writing kind of um, code just to you know make some few bucks um, along the sides whilst being in school so after school around 2017 2018 we are kind of started building out Bitnob the first iteration of Bitnob was a website where you could you know um buy vouchers um then later on redeem them as um, bitcoin um, what this essentially means is that you could buy a voucher and then send it to let's say a friend or a family somewhere and then once they put in their the voucher and then their bitcoin address on the website the bitcoin essentially moves to them so we went ahead to kind of migrate from that to build another um, non-custodial wallets um, from an open source project, right? So what we did was that we now embedded our voucher implementation into this wallet, right? So what happened was that you could buy those vouchers and then be able to kind of generate addresses on this app for for, for you to be able to store the BTC, basically. We kind of changed the entire UI to be able to suit um, our needs um, at the time. But then we, it was not gaining any kind of action. Kind of, it was still like low key. It was just friends and family. So that one also became like a, a full product kind of basically. So we just went ahead to kind of, you know, drop that 
second version of Vietnam and then focus on rather other things that will, you know, we thought at the time that we will bring us a bit of money, right? So Vietnam now went to, you know, build other products like there is this doctor's application that we build, there was this medicine attrition app that we built, and then there was this, um, I think, a crowdfunding app and then a savings app also that we built um, called Antscop at the time. But then uh, I think Bernard was seeing it as something that he wasn't going to, you know, stick with for a very long time. He didn't see those projects as long-term projects. He didn't love them, basically. Um, so we kind of had to come back and come and work on the Vietnam app, right? So at that time, Bernard had already left the country to Nigeria. He told me that he was going to come back in a week. <laughs> um, a week, then two, two weeks, then months, then yes. And, but then we're still working remotely. So I think that was what formed the basis of why Vietnam is essentially first remote. This happened before the COVID time. So we're already remote. So we essentially had to leave our jobs to kind of focus primarily Bitnob at the time, kind of built out a savings product where you can use Bitnob to kind of do DCA, dollar cost averaging, where you kind of fund your wallet. At the time, there was no ban on Bitcoin connecting to banks, right? So what happened was that Bitnob was able to um, retrieve the money from your bank account directly and then do the savings for you without having to touch the app. But then certain things transpired and then they had to be kind of a ban on Bitcoins connecting to banks. So what happens was well, we kind of had to move again back to that voucher that we built. Uh, we had of built that voucher in like, um, let's say, was it two weeks? Uh, we kind of had to build the entire voucher system again and then fuse it into the Bitnob app at that time to be able to, you know, facilitate people being able to move money into the, into Bitnob basically. So this kind of the, the genesis of Bitnob. Um, for Bitnob now, uh, we kind of um, have evolved a lot beyond even savings. I think savings was the core part um, some time back, but then as of now, as we speak, I think one of the major integrations that we've done so far um, is actually the Lightning Network. So what happened was that I think well, that was in August last two years, we kind of um, rolled out um, our own Lightning infrastructure, running our own node. So I think if I'm not sure, I think that should be like the first ever self-hosted Lightning company in the whole of Africa. As of now, you cannot mention Africa. Bitcoin and not, and then, then no mention and mention lightning and no mention Bitnob, right? So we kind of did that. We kind of went ahead to, you know, build um LAURL, lightning addresses, went ahead to, you know, basically just extending the capabilities of Bitcoin and then Lightning as a whole. As of now, uh, we even have a partnership with Strike and then we have a partnership with Corner at the moment to, you know, bring payments down from, you know, overseas to the continent uh, using Send Globally feature. Yeah. 
people are able to, you know, move in US dollars. And this is being facilitated by lightning under the hood. What this means is that Strike does not keep money with us. They keep their own money. And anytime they want to make the payments, invoices are exchanged under the hood. The user doesn't care about that. And then the, the receiver in the in Africa just receives the money, right? And nobody cares about lightning. Nobody knows that it's lightning under the hood. But then everything just runs on lightning. And fun fact about that was that we kind of built that in a month right like the idea just came in and then within a month we kind of have like fledged everything and then built the entire thing pending the launch in the afro bitcoin conference so basically i think that's where we find ourselves today that's quite a journey how is the remittance portion of the economy in ghana because i know that you guys are known as a Nigerian company, right? And, but then you have also expanded to various countries across Africa. So Bitnob is also providing services in Ghana, right? That's correct. Um, the remittance part of that's coming to Ghana is actually m- moving ahead. I think quite recently, we, I had this friend that uh, wanted to move money down here. So they were kind of involved in a building project that they kind of had to move money from the U.S., they were using Western Union at the time. I didn't even know about that. <laughs> so when he told me that, oh, this is what is going on, and they have to go to go line up in a queue, take some tracking number, and then go to some kind of bank. And then I said, do you know that you can use Bitnob to do this? Like, do you know you can use, your sister can just download Strike in the US, all they have to do is to provide their KYC data, then link their bank, and then send it to them that, hey, do you know you can try like with just $5, just move $5 from the US down here to you. If it works for you, just keep on using it. Just $5 for the start. And trust me, um, up to now, they are still using Bitsnob to facilitate that payment, moving huge sums of money to be able to complete their building over here. So, yeah. So, Edward, uh, what you're doing is that they can deposit Bitcoin to, say, strike in the U.S., and then the, then the money is transferred via the Lightning Network or some other way to Bitnob, and then they can get uh, convert the Bitcoin into local Ghanaian CDs and put it in their bank account, right? That's correct. So Bitcoin does the heavy lifting. Um, so basically what Strike does is that they take the money and then convert it to Bitcoin, sends the Bitcoin over to Bitnob. Bitnob sells the Bitcoin, gets them the local currency, the local rate, and then send it over to the customer. So basically, just like what the current Swift network is doing, right? So basically moving money, but just that in this case is Bitcoin doing the heavy lifting and everything. Okay. And how big uh, how big of a team uh, are you in Ghana versus other parts? I know that Combian uh, is with Bitnob as well, right? Is there many more friends of Bitnob in Ghana? Yeah. So currently, with Bitnob, Bitnob has like three developers that are Ghanaians. Um, that's be me, Combian, and then there is one guy in this space, uh, Moses, is like also a developer that resides in Ghana here. We also have people that are quite kind of use um, Bitnob, especially when we're doing the African conference. A lot of most people came, they downloaded the app, they were able to kind of use Bitnob to kind of facilitate payments in Ghana. So I had, there was this girl that was wanted to make payments. Uh, I think she was from Kenya. She had already, should I say, squandered her money that he brought, the dollars, right? So she needed like kind of um, fiat to purchase some things. But then I said, hey, do you know you can actually use Bitnob? You can, you know, pull your money from your in-person wallet, bring it onto Bitnob, you know, and then 
get some kind of fiat use. So yeah, um, it was kind of interesting thing to see that this thing that you've built is kind of working for people in real life. So yeah, it's not actually has friends. Yeah, everybody, can you hear that? Edward, he's the co-founder of Bitnob in Ghana. And if you're a developer in Ghana, you may want to ping Edward. You might want to read some Bitcoin standard and learn about Bitcoin. The Bitnob is a hardcore Bitcoin company. So if you want a Bitcoin job and you're in Ghana, Edward is the guy, right? From this moment, I am going to chase Edward to help me on all my projects. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> That's a liberator. <little> <laughs> oh, I love it. Kumbian, tell me, uh, how, is, how is Edward to work with? Is it a pain in the ass? <laughs> Edward is my boss. I can't say that. <laughs> Come on, we can be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Edward's a great guy, you know. It's cool working with him. You know, he's always thinking outside the box. I think that's his main strength, thinking outside the box. So he has a you know, lot of ideas and, and like multiple ways to implement um, various um, various features and tags we have planned and, and also done in the past. Cool. Um, so come in. You're heads down, you're coding in Ghana with Bitnob. I get the sense that you're a pretty low-key guy, but can you share some of your experience of, say, working on a Bitcoin company in Ghana? And uh, what are the conversations that you're having with people around you? They're asking you a lot, like, hey, that sounds so interesting. Or, yeah, what, what's what's your experience? Yeah, so um, it's like, basically, I, I'm like, like those around me, my friends and family, like I'm the go-to guy for anything Bitcoin. So usually the questions come in when Bitcoin is dropping, when the value of Bitcoin is dropping, then like the questions come in, like what's happening to Bitcoin? Then so when 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 it's the prices start to you know, rise, then they come in again. Like oh, the Bitcoin is doing really well. So usually people usually come for ideas on how to invest in Bitcoin, how to get started. So I just so. To get people started, I usually direct them to the Bit Bitnob app, and I get started them on the dollar cost averaging. So I just make give them a few instructions to let's say deposits uh, on their USD wallet. Then they can set weekly payments, weekly um, savings of let's say five or ten dollars each week. So they just they should just start from there, so they can get acquainted with um, having some Bitcoin on their wallets. So from there, usually the next questions are: so what can they do with the Bitcoin, like? They are saving the bitcoins. Like, what, what what can they do with it? Because they don't get just saving your money and not knowing what to do with it. So then I also then I have to then I go on to show them that bitcoin is there are actually different services that um, or you can make payments of services with bitcoin and there are actually companies or um, e-commerce platforms that some accept bitcoin as payments. So I go ahead and show them some few examples. So they get to see that you can actually um, work with Bitcoin as a currency and not just something they just buy and store and hope one day it gets to a million dollars. So it becomes kind of really practical for them. So that's how usually I, I try to get people to see the practical side of Bitcoin. So come in. Do you have a lot of developers asking you, hey, uh, how do I get a Bitcoin job? Yeah, I've had a, f- a, few, a few developers ask me, but they usually, they usually say they don't, they don't know anything about Bitcoin. So they don't know how to like... If they are interested in this space, but they don't know how to go about it. So actually, sometimes I actually um, set up meetings with them to take them through um, the various steps, like understanding how the the, the blockchain works and how they can. Um, then I send them some um, some videos and some books on how to, like they can read and watch 
and get like an understanding of how um, the whole thing works. And they go ahead to actually set up um, nodes like on their on their like local machines that helps them actually interact with the blockchain itself. Even though it's just on your local machine, they actually have a feel of how the node works and make some few API calls to the blockchain. And they actually get to see how it works. But in terms of work, like they are still not fully confident in themselves, like having a full grasp of the technology. So I think that's what's the, been the bottleneck. It's actually being confident in, in their abilities to um, to go head on on the technology. So they just stick to their to what they are, they are actually confident in. It's really inspiring to hear, you know, this low key orange pillar explaining person by person. Uh, I, I'm sure Kumi maybe maybe want to reach out to you because he's uh, focused on Bitcoin education. Maybe he has a couple of ideas. That was a spontaneous thought. Kumi's unmuting. Yeah, I, I'm going to follow up with Kumbian and then Edward. You know, I, I'm more of an ideologist and more practical. So I can come up with a lot of ideas, but they are the people that can actually put them into working. So with all the great stuff I have, I'm going to start chasing them. And to, to add to uh, what Ezra was saying, Ezra's location is very, very, very comfortable in uh, hosting uh, Bitcoin meetups. So our next Bitcoin meetup, we'll call, we'll be calling it the Accra Bitcoin meetup. We're going to do it at uh, Ezra's restaurant. That's One Corner Gardens. I'm looking forward to hosting uh, Edward, Combien, and all the guys here. I can't wait. I wish to meet you guys before the day. Let's see how best we can stand together and work together because I feel this is the core real Bitcoin guys. If we come together, we can blow out Bitcoin in Ghana. I'm so excited. Like, I don't know how I'm feeling right now. I, I... I can't find words to express this, but I'm so happy I'm meeting all these great guys here. And I feel this is just the beginning of what we're going to do. Greater things are going to happen within the Bitcoin space in Ghana. I feel it. Orange love. I am feeling the vibe. This is so awesome. So amazing. Um, so I'm up for a few questions. There's one person that's requesting to speak while we're waiting for... Uh, for people to come up, um, I just want to play a song. Daddy Lumba by Meniampo, a love song. He's singing that he loves a girl, but some people are saying that the girl has used a love potion on him. He doesn't care if she did use a potion. He loves her regardless. Uh, this is a song selected by Ezra. <laughs> Yeah, 
Yes, we can feel the vibes. And Ezra, he is a DJ, he informed me. So not only can you get your uh, stomach filled with some orange potion juice, uh, you can also listen to Ezra's DJ skills at One Corner. And with that, uh, we have a guest. DJ Satoshi wanted to ask a question. I did. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate you guys hosting the space. Great speakers, great guests. Thank you, everybody. Um, so I'm just curious, like, what are you guys the most excited about in Ghana and its adoption of Bitcoin? Like, what are you guys seeing on the ground from the people? Are they excited about Bitcoin? Do they understand what it is? And what are the hardships that you guys are seeing uh, with the people understanding uh, what Bitcoin is? Let me take that question real quick. The challenges we used to have when it comes to Bitcoin currently all have been solved. One, the major problem was even if you have Bitcoin and you want to get some fiat, how do you do that? Now, BitNob is in. So let me let me rephrase this sentence. BitNob has actually given me a lot of confidence to step out there and then talk about Bitcoin because at the end of the day, in Ghana and the people on the ground, they're looking out for. After all the Bitcoin I have, how do I actually do some transactions with it? How do I get fiat? And then BitNob is there to solve that problem. So with me as an educator, once I go out, I go out with confidence now. In addition to BitNob is Machankura. Machankura is giving um, users the option to have a Bitcoin wallet without internet. So now if I'm going into the local area, I'm going to a neighborhood with or without good internet, you can actually educate someone or inspire them to have a Bitcoin wallet. You can give them some sats and they can also butter their sats for airtime or data right there and there on their phone. So I would say there's a lot of excitement now that people have discovered the area of opportunities within um, the new apps that are coming, especially with BitNob. You you are having people sending... Um, so they, on BitNob, there's an option whereby somebody can just send you um, Lightning, um, let's say, SAT to your Lightning address. Let's say for my address is kumikums at bitnob.io. Uh, bitnob soon as you send any money to that account, it will be paid in fiat into my Momo. So... With these features and with these kind of things coming up is actually exciting people on the ground. You go into the community and you're talking about Bitcoin fearlessly because I don't see where you're going to get locked or stacked up with any question or any functionality that can work out. So for now, the excitement is there. Bitnob, Mechankura, uh, Wallet of Satoshi, just these three. If you're going and you have you equip yourself with these three and then some basic educational leaflets, you're good to go. I, I, you, you will be able to peel them hands down and it, it will sink down with them because it's more practical there. Yeah, so the excitement is there and the challenges we used to have, Bitno, Metankura, have solved them. Thank you. So interesting. Mr. G has a follow-up question. Yeah, my question is, well, it was more or less a piggyback of what Kumi was saying. I think Bitcoin adoption will be much easier in places like Ghana because people are already more or less using mobile money applications and BitNob being able to facilitate transactions for uh, dollars and just to fill that need right there, it'll make it a lot easier because for me personally, I have younger cousins and everyone more or less uses uh, mobile money interfaces. The transfer of money is very frictionless and it, it, it's actually a lot easier to orange pill 
people from uh, places like Ghana just because of everyone transacting using mobile money. Really interesting. Thanks for that add-on, Mr. G. And DJ Satoshi has a follow-up question. I'm just curious also, what's the government thinking? Um, is there any legislation being passed about Bitcoin and um, the use case of Bitcoin? Um, are they kind of pro or against Bitcoin? I have a sense that Ezra is still our right guy because he knows this guy that's working uh, on trying to orange pill the government, right, Ezra? Yeah, well, yeah, it's 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 um it's not um from what I gather, um it's not um it's not against it in a sense like harsh against it, but also there's a fine line that has to be um you know that's being walked. So yeah, I mean it's they were early to start you know looking. Uh, the government actually had you know, interested in setting up a central digital currency. So, yeah, so um, I'm not quite sure how, you know, what the overall, but the overall sentiment that I get is that they're not against it. They're like, they're not actively like looking now to like come down. So it's like we can, you know, be out here, be on the streets, be on the ground and, and do some stuff, make some stuff happen. Yeah. Call me. Yeah. So to add to what Ezra is saying, he's right. I don't think the government has a very hostile um, approach against Bitcoin now because the current situation in Ghana, the hardship is there. And if you look at the effect of Bitcoin, it's actually taking some burden of the government trying to ease the flow of money in the system. So if you're going to stop that, then it means you're going to make life hard for the people, which the government doesn't want to do now. Actually, I work, I work with a team of people that, that um, manage a couple of government pages digitally so I've, i got invited to go to come and explain what bitcoin is and all that is coming up and i know i'm going to do more of such in the coming weeks coming up because the exposure is is now coming people are asking questions there are people in high offices who have already reached out to me ready to come in explain further how things are working out so i feel for now we are not in a hostile environment. The government is not too harsh since it is actually easing, making life easy for people. The, they, they are not against it. That's strong now. Yeah. Boom. Okay. Um, it's time to move into Roundup. And each one of you will get a, a little bit of time to share whatever you want to share, any event you want to shill, any project you want to shill, please go ahead because Bitcoiners love to hear what Bitcoiners do. So don't be shy. And with that, we are going to listen to a song. Ashedu Keteke by Akeme Aya. This song sings about the people who are born all over the world who she is telling her mother that she shouldn't let her be taken away. This is uh, a song selected by Ezra uh, Grunberger, our DJ, and uh, let's go ahead. <laughs> I'm a 
Don't you love the Ghanaian music? Such great vibes. I feel it all into my core. So, um, Ezra, maybe you want to start this roundup session. All right. Yeah, it was uh, wonderful. It was great vibes, great energy. Um, I thank everybody for tuning in and, and, and for you know invite, having me on. Um, I'm looking to keeping this up, keeping the momentum going. We need to keep it flowing, ready to connect, ready to meet people. Um, let's sit down, talk, not just Bitcoin, but we have a lot to talk about from social to economic to political. And so, yeah, um, yeah, we're going to do what we can do, educate people. I'm looking forward, yeah, laying down a good foundation, steering them away from <laughs> the pitfalls and teaching them about Bitcoin and contributing uh, any way that I can. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Ezra. I look forward to going and have a coffee with you in one corner for sure. <laughs> Always invited. Thank you. Hey, Kumbian. Uh, yeah, so... Um... It's been a pleasure to listen to all these great minds and um, learn from each and every one of them. And I think um, the Bitcoin community in Ghana, I think we should grow it more, get to know each other, share ideas. And um, th that's the only way we can grow as a community. So I think we should um, all try to link up and um, in the coming weeks, try to meet up and see um, how we can grow our community. Yeah. Thank you, Kumbia. Thank you for joining. So interesting to hear your story. Mr. G from overseas, over there in New York, please tell us. Hey, what's going on? I'm I'm very thrilled just to be part of this space. I learned a lot today about uh, the community that <laughs> I haven't been to in such a long time. Ghana is my homeland. I love that place. It's so friendly. There's so much possibilities. Thing. I have a small project that I'm working on with my family, and we we will definitely be uh, speaking with each other. Thank you for joining in and asking such great questions and sharing your stories, Mr. G. Edward, such a pleasure to have you. Thank you for bringing, bringing people with you and uh, helping us organize this. And the music selection was awesome. Edward, please share some words. Yeah, um, thank you, uh, Lucas. Thank you, everyone, for coming to this space. I actually learned a lot from Kumi, from Ezra, from... Mr. G, then from Combian to, um, I think this was an awesome um, space. And yeah, thank you very much, everyone. Thank you. Go get a BitNob account, support a local Ghanaian company. And um, with that, I will give the word to our co-host Deluxe that really helped bring this together. Kumi, the crazy guy that has uh, 10 projects that he's juggling. Very inspiring. Kumi, please go ahead. Okay, thank you very much. I'm so happy for this opportunity. I've learned a lot. And it's like a dream come true for me to be on this spaces. Everything I have in mind, now I know where I'm directing it to. Edward, Combien, Mr. G, Ezra, Mary, almost every you, Lucas, everyone on here is DJ Satoshi. I feel like... I I was just I've just been connected to the people that's gonna make all these dreams come true. And I thank God for that. Like Combian was saying, uh, we're gonna talk in the back to see how best we can meet ASAP. And in March, we do a major Bitcoin meetup in Accra. 
make sure we bring the Accra Ghana Bitcoin community together and together we will grow together. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kumi. One thing that I've been thinking about while listening to this space is um, the concept of building communities, specifically building great tech communities. So one of my friends, uh, dear friends, Tyler Crowley, he uh, he's from L.A. and then he uh, he came to Sweden back in 2012. I met him first time and uh, he was talking about this. Uh, this thing that to build a strong uh, tech community, you need different roles to emerge. Everybody plays one part into building this community. Uh, And one of the roles is the documentarian, the person that creates uh, the narratives, shares the narratives, the success stories uh, with the community and outside the community. Uh, Another role is the uh, the meeting place so the spot where you meet people to uh, to connect to talk to to have ideas to advance projects uh, the meeting spot is really important uh, another one is obviously the tech the uh, entrepreneurs the builders of uh, startups you need those otherwise you can't build a tech community and then you need investors you need the people that want to invest in those projects and of course you need technical talent. Um, Interestingly, I can see each one of these roles being represented right here in this space. And I've I've been thinking about this during the space that you guys have all ground covered to make Ghana take off big time. Uh, one one other thing actually that is um, not, it doesn't have to be, but it's very beneficial if there is, is called a um, starship, I think. Um, so basically the concept is that it's a big, it's a company that gives inspiration to other builders in the community and then also drops off a lot of experienced people that have been part of the journey. Uh, maybe we have that in um, Bitnob. And uh, with that, I just want to say Global Bitcoin Fest, we're all about connecting plebs in communities worldwide with each other, with people outside of the community, basically listening to these amazing stories about emerging Bitcoin communities, about uh, Bitcoin adoption in different countries uh, worldwide. Uh, We've covered almost 50 countries and we're going to keep on until we've done all the 192 countries. Follow all of the speakers here. Follow Global Bitcoin Fest. Also, guys, one last thing, one last thing. We always do this thing where everybody unmutes. This is supposed to be chaotic. Everybody unmutes. And then together, you're going to share how you say goodbye in one of the local languages or in multiple local languages. I need everybody to unmute at the same time. So uh, as opposed to the rest of the space where you were supposed to be muted when you didn't speak, I want you to be unmuted now constantly. So please, Ezra, stay unmuted. Edward, please unmute. Kumi, unmute. Colombian, unmute. Guys, we need to stay unmuted. Also, Mr. G, you can also unmute. Edward, don't fall asleep, Edward. Don't fall asleep on us. We need you unmuted. Yeah, thank you very much. Okay, guys, how do you say goodbye in any language that you want to say here? Deyo. Deyo. Okay. Any more? Deyo. 
Cheat Deyo. Is that correct? You see, you stole my word. Yeah, Deyo, that's the word for let's go. But I'm going to say, I'm just going to say let's go. Okay, I'm going to say, say let's go. So how to say, how to say let's go in three is Yenko. So yeah, Yenko. Oh, Yenko. Awesome. Aiko. Aiko, let's go. Let's say this. I'm going to play one last song. One last song and you can keep saying those goodbye words. It is Otoleje by Oforo Amonsa. A guy in fact, everyone knows that from high school. This one is from Mr. G, our friend from New York, Ghanaian friend. Hey, thank you very much. It was a real pleasure in this space with you. <laughs> Insane, that voice, I really love it. Okay, guys, thank you so much. And uh, thanks for this. Ezra, you said something? Oh, uh, just, uh, yeah, thank you for making this happen. And looking forward to meeting everyone. Boom. This was a great vibe. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Global Bitcoin Fest. Celebrate Bitcoin adoption with Bitcoin communities worldwide.